Thank you for joining us for Under the Water Tower, a ministry of Fellowship Baptist located under the city water tower on Mormon Mill Road in beautiful Marble Falls, Texas. We don't just love the Bible, we love talking about the Bible and talking about how the Bible informs our life in this world. Recording here in the luxuriously appointed Fellowship Hall of Fellowship Baptist Church are, is, who's first? Well, you, I'm looking right at you. I know. It's the way we went last week, so I thought I'd mix it up. You go first. (laughs) Jeremy Wallach. Are we sure? I think so. All right. Misty Grimm. Daryl Fishback. I'm Jamie Greeny, and we're just glad that you're here. This is a good time. Hold on, hold on. Greg. Don't don't stop driving, but I'm just checking. Is my mic level okay? Can you hear me? All right, just 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 give me a nod and carry on. <laughs> and if your name's not Greg, just keep driving just too. Keep driving. <laughs> um, so this is our second episode of of season two. We're very excited about all of this. This is a good time for us to uh, highlight for you that th- this here is a good time to tell you. This may not be the podcast you want to listen to with young children around. PG at 16. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's PG 13, but we're not going to go, at least I don't, you never can tell You're where we're going to go. You're not going to at youth camp or kids camp. Uh, yeah, this will not be a part of the if you do, youth camp discussion. It was an interesting youth camp and that guy never got asked back. Um <laughs> What we're doing today is one of those things that highlights the fact that a lot of the Bible is actually not for children. We get hung up on so much of this kid, kids in God's Word. You know, There's certain parts of God's Word you don't want a seven-year-old reading. Um, you know, David and Bathsheba comes to mind. Rahab comes Tamar to mind. Tamar and the father-in-law. Tamar. Oh, that's, you know, Ooh. fun fact. Um, every woman, there's, I think there's three women in the Old Testament named Tamar. They both do not end well. Uh, they both, all three, <laughs> all three do not end well. It's just a, um, which is why in my first novel, the little girl mm. was named Tamara. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's Tamar. I did that on purpose. Anyway, sidetrack. This is one of those accounts. Uh, we want to read the verses if you're following along with us. Uh, Exodus chapter 4. Last week we had a good time with baby Moses in the basket. Which sounds like the name of a boutique downtown. In the basket. In the basket. In the basket. In the basket. Baby Moses in the basket. It's a game you can play. It's like cornhole. <laughs> I don't think it works that way. You throw these little baby Moseses. Babies in the Nile. In, into the, it, it's a game for the swimming pool. If yeah. crocodile catches it, yeah. you get a point. It's also going to be throwing today. I don't think that's going to be a game either. I think it's flinging, isn't it? I think it is flinging. So last week we covered uh, Baby Moses uh, in the basket. I still can't get the. That would be a great like Bible adventure game for for the pool. A basket floats, and you have to throw Baby Moseses mm-hmm. in. You have a little fishing game where you throw the little fish in there, and then you have your little thing. So this could just be yeah, fish the baby out. That's Jonah. Oh. <laughs> 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 it's wrong. Dual. It could have a dual purpose there. See. Oh, so we're already off track, uh, but Exodus four. We're we're a little later in the story. We're not going chronologically necessarily uh, in what's happening here, and we're not just taking it verse by verse. We've skipped over some important material. Uh, you know, probably one of the most famous scenes in the whole Bible. We skipped the burning bush. 
This all comes after that. We'll set the scene a little bit. Let's read the verses. I think Joni volunteered to read them. Is that correct? Yes, that so is correct. this is Exodus 4, just three verses, 23, 24, well, 25, and 26. It's four verses. It's funny how <laughs> verses 23 through 26 is four verses. What? <laughs> Six minus three is three, but it's four verses. Because you're but you're including. also including. I'm just messing with you. It's, it's Please fun. don't mess with me. We're recording in the afternoon. That's that's the problem. Here we go. So you said start on 23? Yes. Okay, here we go. And I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. At a lodging place on the way to... The, on the way, the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Then Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. It was then that she said, A bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. Yum. Dun, dun, dun. I don't think that's yum. <laughs> well, there's a reason there's no snacks today. It's, it's, <laughs> it's theologically delicious. This is uh, so much fun here. So I asked Misty if she was prepared for this, and she just <laughs> held up her spiral-bound <laughs> notebook with small lead pencil drawings in it. I have to write things drawings? down because I won't remember. So, so w- let's let her start <laughs> the discussion. Where are we going to start at, Misty? Well, let's see. You said there was a whole lot in here in these first, in just these few verses, and it's hard to just concentrate on just these few verses without, you know, talking a little bit about the burning bush and the things that led up to this. So, um, I don't know. I just feel like the whole thing is, it's obedience, and it's just amazing how God worked in Moses' life to bring him to this point. And just the overall. So picture. is this obedience or is this disobedience? Well, this specific is disobedience, but ultimately, I feel like the overall story of just Moses. I know there's a bigger picture than that, than that, but he's um, he's learning how to take God seriously and that God means business. That's a huge part of this lesson. God does mean business. Yes. So, so what has actually happened to Moses? Because you, your first thing here is. Context. Context is everything. And one of the things you read this account, it's hard to put this in context. You could skip these verses and it would not change anything in the story. So they've been shoehorned in here like a size nine into a size eight shoe, right? Um, Squeezed in here for some uh, very important reason. So what's happened? So we had the burning bush. Mm -hmm. And what did, how do you boil down the burning bush? What's the, what, what, what happened there? Well, God spoke to him. The Lord spoke to him through the bush, the angel. The Lord spoke mm-hmm. to him. He'd been away from Egypt for 40, 40 years, years, a whole lifetime ago. Mm-hmm. And God told Moses what? He told him, it's time to go back and get my people. I'm sending you back. I've heard the cry of my people. Mm-hmm. And so now this chapter 4 the Lord has told Moses to go back, and Moses agrees to go back. He gets permission from his father-in-law, Jethro, to go back, who he's worked for for 40 years. And then on the way, the Lord kind of, these verses right ahead, I had you read verse 23 
uh, ahead, but this is the Lord saying to Pharaoh, if, if Pharaoh doesn't do right, I'm going to kill his firstborn. Mm-hmm. So that sets context for even Moses' firstborn is not exempt from the punishment of God, mm-hmm. from the wrath of God. So there's a, a contextual. That's why mm-hmm. I think even though the story is weird, it's one of those weird Moses yeah. stories, it fits in that theme. We're talking about the death of the firstborn. And you can almost hear in Moses' mind as he's writing these accounts, you know, that, that free association as you're writing things. He's writing, and God said he's going to kill Moses, uh, Pharaoh's firstborn. Let me tell you about the time he almost <laughs> took my firstborn. <laughs> and he wedges that in there just to, that God he plays for keeps. Mm-hmm. I think it's a huge issue. I yeah. didn't read it that mm-hmm. way. I read it more as because he said Israel is my firstborn son. Like God said, Israel is my firstborn son. So I read it more as like your earthly children are so special to you. Like my children are special to me. So I know I probably read it wrong. Well, it's, it's not wrong. I'm just interested in... Um, so Israel special to God. Who's Israel? The Hebrews. The, his the Hebrews. They've been in captivity with the Egyptians, like or cap- maybe not captivity, but slaves. So do you connect the existence of Israel to the issue of the firstborn? Um, I do. I just I connect it to how precious we are to God. But just your firstborn, just Anne Marie. <laughs> but are we talking about Moses' firstborn here with the foreskin? Yeah, this is Moses' firstborn, Gershom. Are we sure? Pretty sure. Why? Because some commentaries didn't read it that way. Some commentaries felt like he that like she had she they already had Gershom and that she was giving birth like she had just like eight days prior given birth to to number two. Number two? Yeah. <laughs> I, that's not the way I read it. Uh, let's, let's so the the text at a lodging place on the way, the Lord met him and sought him to put him to death. Then Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, "Surely you are bragging of blood to me." Um, it seems like firstborn is the the impetus here. Uh, it could be Eleazar. It could be. What's your, what does that mean to you? Why does that make a difference to what you're reading? Well, if they had, like, if they had been faithful and and had Gershom circumcised, but now Eleazar wasn't circumcised, so it was kind of a follow-through with being obedient, like what Misty was saying. But firstborn would make more sense because Israel was talking about his, because God was talking about, it, like, Israel's my firstborn, mm-hmm. Pharaoh's firstborn. So firstborn, like, would follow the, would follow the trend. Textually, I believe it's got to be Gershom, the firstborn. Um, it, it just seems more natural to me. Do you think he was just born? Do you think he's eight days old? That's the question. Uh, it's hard to imagine traveling that way. I mean, uh, of course, Mary and Joseph and Jesus did it, but uh, if you go, that's a long, long distance mm-hmm. across the desert. Um, it's hard to believe they were traveling in that way. But the lodging place, they, they're, they're staying. At, that, that's an interesting thing. Some mm-hmm. some of the commentaries read like this. So they have gone. 
a certain distance toward Egypt, and they've stopped at a, a watering hole and an oasis that everybody would have recognized, this is where you stop. And as they get there, uh, they've spent a few days, but it was always the plan that Zipporah and Gershom would go back to Midian where Jethro is, and Moses would continue on. So mm-hmm. they have traveled with him a certain distance along the way. That's why it's marked out. They were never going to go all the way to Egypt. And so this is like the last thing that happened before then. Um, Misty, did you, you in, had your hand up? Well, in 20, it says, so Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey. Mm-hmm. So he had more sons. Mm-hmm. Okay. Two. Um, so the biggest issue for me is who's the his. Now, my Bible yes. has here the ESV rendering has shoved the word Moses in here. Let's see, you've got verse 25. It says, and touched Moses' feet. Um, if you will look at your careful notes, my Bible has a good a note, but it's really small, Hebrew his. Mm-hmm. In these verses that we're in here, the word Moses never appears mm-hmm. in the Hebrew text. It's just his. And so some of the thinking here is that it wasn't a situation where Gershom is, is um, uh, cut and she flings it at Moses, what she does is it, it's on Gershom. And so it's a, one of those, it's a symbolic thing. And um, that text is, it says, cut off her son's foreskin and touched his feet with it and said, surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. The his feet gets more interesting when you understand or you allow yourself to see the word feet as a Hebrew idiom for genitals. And this is where we're at, right? So she's cut off the foreskin and then maybe in a ceremonial way has touched the genitals with the foreskin and then said this word. So notice the phrase, you're a bridegroom of blood to me, seems to be weighted with importance, right? So you have the, you you are a bridegroom. How does she say it, right? It could be a ceremonial way because bridegroom of blood seems vindictive but it's actually a kinder word. It actually means you're my relative, you're my kinfolk, we are bound together. And some folks put a lot of stock on the fact, now what, what profession did her, her father have? What was he? He was a, he was a king, wasn't he a priest? He was a priest-king yeah. kind of thing, but he was a priest. So mm-hmm. he knew the, the secret words you're supposed to say. He knew all the invocations, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so that she is repeating maybe a, a, a ritual that she was familiar with. Mm-hmm. Daryl, you need to pipe up in mm-hmm. here. You're just nodding no, your head. I'm processing a lot right now. I'm waiting for the right <laughs> door to open. The right so door to open? Yep. Got a lot going on in my brain. I've got to... It would take me 15 minutes to say it all, so I'm trying to condense things <laughs> as we go. Uh, oh, I know what you're thinking. What Enneagram <laughs> number is Moses? No, 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 no. Um, He's a one. He's no. a one. <laughs> no, he's no, not. He's definitely a helper. He's definitely a two. <laughs> Possibly. I could see that. Could be a six. (laughs) (laughs) So so Moses is uh, maybe not even the one doing any acting here, which leads us to another question. Why why did, what was Moses' failure? Um, Why didn't he take care of this? And what's the deal with circumcision? 
what is circ- what is circumcision, Daryl? Right, here's where I'll, <laughs> I'll pipe up. <laughs> um, I have to pull back on any of these Old Testament passages where it says God was going to smite someone. Um, because I grew up with a lot of the hellfire and brimstone, and it's very easy to pull these passages. Preach it, preach it. It's very easy to pull these passages out and use them. You know, Moses was going to sin and God was going to smite him. You better get right or get left. Um, but then you come against the Jesus in the New Testament, and you say, "What?" Well, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen my father, and we, we don't change. And so wh- why is there such a contrast? Why did God get saved between the Old and New Testament? Why is there always this angry, vindictive God. And so I... When did God get saved? (laughs) If that's your theological question, we may not... We need to talk about other things. I'm just saying the Old Testament, God sometimes looks very different. If you would would replace this with Jesus and say, Jesus was going to kill me, that would be hard to swallow for me because you don't see that same kind of fury. Um, and, And so... I have to look past that and think, is the language here more Moses? Is it more the perception of how they're, they're seeing things? And it's not just that, oh, step a toe out of line, God's going to get you. But circumcision was a way to set Israel apart. But it was also a way to help keep them pure because back in those days, they, the cleanliness issue was an issue. And uncircumcision can create a lot of um, what kind of problems to cause <laughs> potential <laughs> issues there and so to try and keep calamine lotion baby <laughs> keep um, healthy babies being born and things like that and so, and so you see this pattern of God in the Old Testament where you can where you can read into it a God who's angry and hair triggered or you can read into a God who's trying to step into this world of violence and chaos and keep telling them I'm different than all these other gods these other nations are worshiping. I'm different than them. You don't have to be afraid of me. However, in this context, I could see there being consequences to carelessness. And so here's Moses who was going to be called to go present the law to these people, how to live, the, the, um, the um, standard, if you will, and yet he's kind of not really taking it seriously. And so I, I see some of this. I, I, maybe he was, it was going to bring his death. I'm not disputing that, but I'm saying, could this be more about not God's anger as opposed to Moses not taking things seriously? Um, and so, so do you have at some future time, they're sitting around and, hey, remember that time God almost killed our son, but we had an emergency <laughs> circumcision that saved the day? With a flint rock? <laughs> I mean, as I wrote this, this this is an emergency circumcision. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. By any definition, which are two phrases that you wouldn't think emergency circumcision. Well, you talk circumcision. about cleanliness and keeping stuff clean, and then she grabs a rock, you know, so. No. It, was, it was a clean rock. <laughs> okay. Um, it was prob- and, and, but the flint rock is important. I mean, that, 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 that supports some of the discussion. This is a ceremonial thing, mm-hmm. a specific flint that was used for this purpose. Mm-hmm. And she knew how to do it. Do you think she had the flint rock or she grabbed it? So she who took a flint. So you think it was like, I have she's a flint in her, pack. In her she's purse? A, she's a mom. Oh. So it's she a, had all. She was prepared. Or did she go find one? And mask, flint. Yeah. Yes. Where's my Swiss Army flint? <laughs> Hermione with her little bag. And 
<laughs> and you'll notice a woman steps in and takes care of business well, this, once again. This is an issue that, that I think really drips off this passage. However else you read this, this is Moses. He's talked to God. He's seen the burning bush. He's had all these encounters. Yet in the family sphere here, which is this is a family issue, Moses is AWOL. Yeah. Well, and he at the burning bush, he gave excuse after excuse. I mean, you see a pattern here of, mm-hmm. I don't really want to do this. Right. Yeah. And so who saves the day? It's, you it's know, poor. again, let's piggyback off last week with the baby bouncing Moses in the basket. Mm-hmm. Again, a woman, woman has come in to save, save the day when the males have actually abdicated and failed well, miserably. So to take your question, I could see in hindsight, I mean, think of a, a family outing where you were, as a husband, wouldn't ask for directions. It was a horrible camping trip. It rained, and you were being stubborn, and you just weren't listening to We anyone. call that 2003. <laughs> <laughs> and then five, ten years later, once you can laugh about it, you know, my wife was going to kill me. Yeah. And I, I think that's a little bit less than what's going on here, but I could see Moses maybe looking back and saying, I was out of line. I was stubborn and I was deserving of any kind of wrath or whatever. Well, and, and she, you can obviously tell she's angry at, at, at Moses' God, you know, so this is Moses' God. So for him, not doing And is it his God? I mean, do we feel like he's really embraced that yet or do we feel like he's. I think God spoke to me out of a bush, so I kind of got to go. <laughs> Without a yeah. doubt, he's embraced it, but he may not be fully versed in all that's needed. Right. Because one, one of the themes is He here, hasn't completely submitted, that's for sure. Attention to details. Yes. Um, yes. And, and then the home life. There's and he's s- probably, that's what I mean, it, she didn't believe in his God, and so he was probably trying to please her when she said, we're not doing that to our kid. He's like, okay, honey, you know, he doesn't want to... He's already got all this other stuff going on. He's trying to please his wife. And then, in, you know, but ultimately, what are we supposed to do? God comes first. And that's what it's plainly showing here. Well, you think about her life. Like, her life was, like, she was she was giving up her her life. Like, like her life was good. Like, mm-hmm. daddy was taking care of her. Things were good. Yeah, but you still put God first and then, above all those things. Well, but, it, but I see what you're saying. But if her dad yeah. was a priest, then obviously they had a lot of rituals and religious mm-hmm. Mm-hmm trappings that that was their world and right. this was getting really radical mm-hmm. with what was going on yeah, with we Mo- Moses. We really to my knowledge and I'm sure there's something out there there's ideas we don't exactly know all that Jethro the priest of Midian believed practiced right. did. I'm, I'm I'm sure there's some he significant had a great solo in Prince of Egypt. What? Yeah. <laughs> Real deep baritone voice. <laughs> You got to see things through heaven's eyes, buddy. Uh, so, and this was a covenant. I mean, this was the this was the covenant between God, you know, the Lord and Abraham. And so, this wasn't just Moses not following directions. This was he was breaking that covenant, and that was a huge deal. I mean, that was a big deal. Well, well let's talk for a moment about the the aspect of what circum the, the sociology of of uh, circumcision, what it was, and who did it, because. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, um, I think, misconceptions about the uniqueness of circumcision. It was not only practiced by Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was practiced by a large cross-section of people. The Midianites may have had some version of it. 
we know the Egyptians did. That's mm-hmm. what makes this whole thing really, really interesting, is we know the Egyptians did. Uh, but it was different. In fact, there's places in the Bible where we think that the Bible's talking about that, the reproach of Egypt, where they would practice circumcision, but it was, um, how can I say this delicately? They didn't go that far up. Mm-hmm. It was more of a, uh, an, um, an affectation for appearance. It was kind of faddish, almost like a, I don't know, um, a tattoo kind of thing. Where, hey, have you gotten yours done yet? I'm going to get mine done. We have actually, there's... A marking, a visual. A yeah. visual marking. So there's, see. we have um, hieroglyphics and pictures on Egyptian walls of like, you know, the, the kids saying, cut it quick, cut it quick, you know, <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing. So it was like all the teenagers were doing it, but it just wasn't as far up and as noticeable in terms of demarcation. So some thought process is that maybe Gershom was circumcised in this cosmetic way. Moses may have been circumcised in this cosmetic way, but they hadn't carried through. And somehow, some way, maybe because she was the daughter of a priest, uh, Zipporah knew and understood this. And Moses kept saying, I mean, again, back to the it's camping trip in 2003 where the, you know, it was horrible, didn't get directions, that rain, daughter's lips turned blue. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Phoebe. <laughs> um, and all of these things are happening, and, but he's in denial. I've got this great mandate. Mm-hmm. I must go free mm-hmm. the Lord's people. But Zipporah understood and, and, and knew and so took care of the, the details. details. Mm-hmm. And it's not to spare Mo- I used to read this text thinking God was going to kill Moses. Right. This is not whose life was in danger. Moses was never in danger. Mm-hmm. It's Gershom, mm-hmm. the boy who's in danger, because he has not been sealed in the covenant. So Israelite circumcision was not unique. It was just ceremonial, tied to covenant, and much... Um, it was more. <laughs> yeah. So maybe she took things into matters into her own, own hands because, like, Moses really couldn't. Like, it said that it sought to put him to death. So maybe Moses was, like, completely out of it. And she, like, his disobedience maybe caused him to... Like he curled up in the corner in like, the fetal position or what? Or, like, he was just... I don't know, just completely like. I think the Lord literally able, grabbed him. Like, I mean, I've, I visualize it as as he physically grabbed him and scared him. Grabbed who? Moses. So see, that's the difference. So you think you see God's got Moses over here in a death <laughs> in grip, headlock, not hey, to not to kill him. I have told you, but I think it was to show him that I mean business, you know. And so make me pull this car over. And Zephora did it so quickly, she was, I think she was scared, too, that Moses was about to die. She's like, i got to do this to my kid to save my husband because he didn't do what he was supposed to do. Well, and I think that's a lot of it is, so this is the experience of Christian history. My view is Moses is too busy being important. Mm-hmm. He's off meeting with people, making plans. They've got diagrams. I've had to build the Excel spreadsheet on how we're going to contact mm-hmm. all the people when we get there. Mm-hmm. I've been practicing with my rod. Which yeah. <laughs> wait a minute. Staff. Way, way too Freudian there. <laughs> I've been practicing and working things out. And, and, and I've got these, I got emails to send. Don't bother me with right. stuff. Speeches to write. Oh, Speeches to see. write. 
And so he's not, so because of that, he's not taking care of home life. See, this preaches to me, right? He's, I'm the great leader of God, not mm-hmm. taking care mm-hmm. of home life. And so it falls upon her uh, and she takes care of it, which I think is a, is a completely different um, idea. Before we go too much, I want to keep hammering this circumcision business. It's a covenant indicator for the Hebrews. The problem with it is it's very gender specific. If you, by definition, if you're female, you're not participating in this covenant experience. It's also very intimate. Mm-hmm. This is like, what parts of your body you think of as being very intimate? It's just me, right? Well, it's this part of your but Maybe your tongue's that way. Your eyes, I'm, I get squeamish about my eyes. I don't want, in, you know, in the mouth. But this is another part. Feet, some people are that way about your feet. Mm-hmm. It's very intimate. It's very personal. And it's also a daily reminder. If you're talking about yeah. a covenant sign, mm-hmm. I mean... <laughs> um, you're going to see this marking <laughs> every day. It's going to be a part of who you are multiple times. And then it's also connected uh, to your reproductive organ, mm-hmm. right? So this is the way in which you uh, propagate the species uh, uh, that your people, uh, the Hebrews. And so every time um, that thought process is in your head, you remember y- your uniqueness, your family, your, your covenant with your people. And so all those are tied up in there. And so what I like to do is take this idea now and move New Testament. Because we don't, circumcision is of nothing now, right? I think we all would agree that in Christ, your circumcision status, Jesus isn't going to come to you and say, drop your pants and take a look. <laughs> we we got to make sure. We're not PG-13. <laughs> do what? I don't think we're PG-13. <laughs> this is PG-13. Okay. Well, we did give a disclaimer. So. I did give a disclaimer. But I'm this just saying. This is very PG-13. PG from 1980s. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is like Back to the Future PG. Go ahead. I don't... I disagree, but okay. So, <laughs> Greg, the, can you hear me? In the, <laughs> in the New Testament world, we have a replacement covenant marker. What is it? What replaces circumcision? Dun dun dun! They're all thinking. Oh, we, well, I wish you guys could see them. Salvation. We Your are salvation? saved, but what's the sign? Of your baptism. Baptism. Mm -hmm. Baptism is the new sign of this covenant. Now, what's amazing about this is it's that's non-gender specific, which which puts into play those great New Testament passages. There's neither male nor female for all one in Christ. We've received the same baptism, drink from the same cup. There is no marking out this way. It's still pretty intimate. I mean, when you're baptized, that that's um, but it's not as intimate. Um, you don't have the daily reminder when you're with your baptism, but what you have in church life is this um, weekly reminder. And it's also maybe the Lord's Supper is that reminder. I was thinking mm-hmm. it has big connections to the Lord's Supper. Absolutely, mm-hmm. because you you know one leads to the other, mm-hmm. and they all reinforce covenant relationship yes. in the Lord. And then the connection of baptism to the reproductive issues. I mean, do we not use the phrase born again? Mm-hmm. And your baptism is a symbol of being born again, 
and baptism is also the fruit of evangelism, which is the way we reproduce mm -hmm. in the Christian mm -hmm. life. So what's happened is all of these covenantal signs have been freed from biology mm -hmm. and genetics and are cut loose upon the world, but they still have meaning. Mm -hmm. um, so should people not get circumcised today? Why is circumcision still a big deal? Um, Somebody asked me in the coffee line just a minute ago if I was for or against <laughs> circumcision. So she I needs a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> are you for it or are you against it? Um, well, I think it's a personal choice. Um, in, in, in the United States, which is where this podcast is originating from, um, I think probably most males, uh, their parents choose to circumcise them for the aforementioned cleanliness issues, but there is no religious impulse behind it. Uh, you know, there's not going to be any, you're not getting into heaven because, you know. I will say that I have heard, whether it's an evangelist or, you know, back in the day, I have heard, or maybe I misinterpreted it, but it sure felt like there was still a subtle, you know, how those hellfire and brimstone pastors can be, still a subtle implication of, Maybe it doesn't apply to us today, but if you're really committed, it kind of, you know, it was kind of like um, how they were able to always pull the Old Testament stuff out and still kind of say, you know, if, you, if you're really serious about God, your kids should probably be circumcised. Which is another way of saying, I'm circumcised, therefore I'm more spiritual than yep. you are. Mm -hmm. um, which is which may I, play right into the whole thing you're making about Moses because it seems like a lot of those guys and I am stereotyping and I am lumping them together seem to be very consumed with who they were. Mm -hmm. I'm an evangelist. I've had thousands of salvations and baptisms and all this mm -hmm. while their home life may be falling apart or they they're abusive to their wife or something like that. You mm -hmm. you get this kind of same uh, and not all of them. I, again, I'm I'm stereotyping here. Um, but there definitely is a, a, a place that that seemed to fit in. Hmm. I almost felt like with Moses, it was like a foot in each world, like a, is he all the way committed kind of thing? Do you, no? I think he's all in. I just think he does, maybe, maybe doesn't know what all in means. Hmm. That's, that's the, the home life aspects, the failure there. He didn't and have a good seminary experience. He learned the hard lessons, <laughs> but he didn't learn them thoroughly. Mm -hmm. I, I really, clearly, there's something that he had failed to do, or the Lord would not have responded this way. Right. I mean, whatever you you brought up earlier, the discussion about well, this seems different than the God that I know of in Christ. To some extent, that's true. But the New Testament Jesus is also the Jesus of Revelation, who comes with sword smiting. It has to do <laughs> with. Um, God would not have responded this way arbitrarily. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I so, agree So completely. there's in obedience. Mm -hmm. So there's clearly something Moses has mm -hmm. not done that he knew he should, should have, have done. done. In the back I of think his mind, that's the knew. issue for me because it's it more off. of a consequence of neglect. It's not like God just flew off the handle and right. I, I was going to kill him. And, oh, I didn't know. You know, oh, It's mm -hmm. like it feels like there was plenty of information mm -hmm. there and Moses was just neglecting it and it was it was going to be I told you right. know, it's like the parent who says if you do this this will happen and they actually right. stick to it and that was the Lord giving Moses another chance to get it right you know and to do the right thing because he could have taken him out and he didn't so and, and his wife was there 
to take care of the defect mm-hmm. in Moses, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is a good picture of what marriage is. I mean, our, yes. uh, my wife, my wife covers a lot of my defects. Mm-hmm. I also find it interesting that Moses is so concerned. I think the way I read it anyway, with the work and the calling and the ministry, yet it is his wife who's concerned about the identity, mm-hmm. who is her son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and knowing who you are. And, and mm-hmm. the circumcision is an important part of knowing who you are. All the rituals that we have sociologically and psychologically that help us define our being. Mm-hmm. Um, I can think of a, a half dozen right now, but what what rituals are are important as you grow up as a, as a human in our culture? I, I would venture to say I don't think we have as good a handle on maybe the significant um, rituals that influence for true identity. But we have a lot of things like that, that maybe more that fit into more of our capitalistic idea, you know, know, 16 year old getting a brand new car. You communist. I know (laughs) where, you know, uh, you think of, um, tribal rituals and stuff. It, well, you know your um, what was it? Your vision quest or whatever. Those things were about. Wait, wait, wait! I didn't have. <laughs> I didn't have no vision. I know. Quest. That's what I'm saying. I suddenly feel robbed. <laughs> <laughs> Those types of things that tribes and and um, uh, people groups used was was to bring people into a sense of maturity and community. And I think a lot of the rituals we have nowadays in our culture aren't so much about a true sense of identity as much as create the wrong kind of right. identity in some regards. Oh, I don't disagree with you at all. Well, and there's a difference between traditions and rituals. You know, <laughs> traditions get uh, monotonous and you it, it, they lose their value. You know, you do the same thing every year at Christmas, Thanksgiving. Rituals are more of what we instill, what we uh, deem as personal. And as far as our identities go, that could be you know, your, your quiet time, your Bible time, your prayer time, uh, focusing on, you know, we always say our calling. What is my calling? Well, really, it's God's calling for your life. And, you know, we try to, to spin that into what we want it. And it's, it's not about us. It's all about him. But he's so gracious and good that he includes us in his plan. So ultimately, it is about us as well. So, um, well, Misty, you made it very spiritual. Well, thank you. Good job. <laughs> but what I was thinking <laughs> were things like you were close with the car thing, like prom. Mm-hmm. When going you're to kindergarten. Going your first day of kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember it, um, your tooth getting lost, or you, mm-hmm. when you got braces, or class um, ring. Your class ring. Things as we grow up um, that help us define who we are, like learning to swim. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, how'd you learn to Ride swim? A bike. Well, they just threw me in because I told them I could do it, and then I couldn't. <laughs> but then they had to save me. It was really traumatic. <laughs> they had to save you. It's true. See, <laughs> they did the same thing with me. They threw me in, and then they walked off. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I can oh still remember that. I, uh, and uh, maybe you sure that was about swimming? <laughs> or <laughs> no, it's, no, it's about identity. No, it was not attempted murder. Uh, East Texas. <laughs> The, uh, but I remember identity. A big part of me was defined in that moment. If I'm going to get out of this, 
I'm going to have to figure well, this out vision real quest fast. right there. That's what a vision <laughs> quest is. It's being all on the edge of death and surviving. So I think I was like seven. <laughs> um, but identity comes from those rituals. Uh, and, I, and so the circumcision was an important part of this boy's... Now, I have no idea how old he was. I mean... Um, I like to think he was still pretty young, but probably not. I mean, he, can, can you imagine? He's like, he's like twelve. Mom, you want to cut what? I mean, you want to do what? You want to do what with my what? Not that, not, I don't like to look in your eye, mom. I've seen that before. Drop the flint, mom. Nobody, come on, mom. Calling that CPS. We like, you know. Um, <laughs> They're pulling out. The, don't touch me there. That is my neck square. <laughs> um, so, what about the other brother? Like the other, like we only have one one flung foreskin. Why? The, why did the other brother? This is a firstborn. To me, the way I read it, this is a firstborn issue. And so, when you get to the, mm-hmm. the other one will be taken care of in due time. But this is the one that's mission critical, because gotcha. and it could be this Lord's reinforcing uh, upon Moses the firstborn. You see what I'm about to do to you. Just wait until I open this up on Egypt, which could have been some of the reasons why Moses's confidence in battling Egypt is so well recognized. He never really flinches. Um, Aaron flinches. The uh, elders of uh, Israel flinch. Everyone else like, ah, this is awful. Oh, no. Everybody flinches except Moses. And one of the reasons is perhaps this has been impressed upon him in a really big way. Well, and he knew the he knew the Egyptians from the inside of the, from the inside of the like um, I need the word. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for that, Carol. I'm, I'm looking at you, but I ain't got nothing. He knew, he knew the Egyptians. He was an insider. From, he, was the, he, was, he was an yeah. insider. He, he knew grown from up there. inside the walls. He knew the way so, they thought and what they did. And right. Yeah. It wasn't quite as scary from them for him because he was, yeah, you know, familiar with. Oh, okay, yeah. like I know this is how they're going to respond, mm-hmm. or I know this is what they do, or I know, and so he wasn't looking at them as an outsider; he was looking at them as an insider. Mm-hmm. He's been in those walls. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of it, obviously, but I also think there's a lot going on there with the sense of he had seen the Lord at work, <laughs> and the imp- it was Im- impressed upon him. Maybe at this moment. Well, in many ways, he was, you know, we say he had his feet in both worlds, but he also had his feet in neither world because he wasn't in the Egypt world anymore. Mm -hmm. And he got the Israelites pretty ticked off on him as well. It's like, who are you to come in here and create all this trouble? And so he's kind Mm -hmm. of on his Mm -hmm. own in many regards. Mm -hmm. He's a loner. Mm -hmm. There should be a song about that, like... Dark, dusty highway. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like Johnny Cash probably wrote one. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it probably wasn't Ring of Fire. <laughs> it was a different kind of ring. The um, So when you get through Fling this, of fire. <laughs> oh, you're very bad. You're very bad. So a big part of this is how you read uh, uh, Zipporah. Um I think men tend to read this as she is an angry, vindictive. Look what you have made me do. You have brought this blood upon me. Now I've had to do this, your dirty work. I'm just, this is despicable. In fact, some, it's possible later that Moses and Zipporah actually get divorced. When you read the text, 
It mm-hmm. seems to be that way later. And some have pointed to this could have been the moment. Um, another way of reading it is she's just a desperate woman who's doing whatever she can to save mm-hmm. her son. Mm-hmm. So it's not so much about Moses. She's not mad at Moses. She's almost maybe concerned about the spiritual dynamics here. She just wants to save her son against her witless husband, mm-hmm. right? And then there's another way of reading it where Moses doesn't really know what to do. And she comes along as the, the, the experienced, well-trained daughter of a priest and helps show him the way. Because he will have to do this with how many other people? Mm-hmm. Right? This is all going to have to be re-upped when they get uh, going, so to speak, because circumcision will be a big part of the Mosaic Covenant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he's going to be well-versed in these issues. Maybe this is his proving ground. So how do you read mm-hmm. her? Mm-hmm. I read her as a as a mama that just had to do what she had to do. like A mama that had to do what she had to do. I don't know. I just, you know... I just, that's how I read it. I think of a time where Lawrence was out in the water and was starting to go under and had gotten out farther and didn't have his floaty and just the, you have to do what you have to do. Like, you got So what did you do? Um, well, Amory grabbed him up from the ground (laughs) and she was right by him. And then like, I was like lightning. I Mm -hmm. felt like lightning and got out to him as quick as I can. And I just didn't think about anything else or what was around me. It was just... You have to save your kid. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know. She did get a big prize, and then she reminded him all the time, like, I saved you. Remember that time that I saved you? <laughs> mm-hmm. So now let's – how long have we been going? Uh, I'm not actually sure. Four hours. You're, you're, you're not, this doesn't give me time, and so I don't know when we started. Well, I'm, we're going to do this anyway. So – <laughs> you're at a, you're at a place where I wanted to go with this somehow, some way, and that is the the necessary things that don't always make sense and that are weird that we have to do to safeguard our children and the next generation. Because mm-hmm. a big part of this, Moses, I think, well, however you define it, is AWOL. She does what needs to be done. She does for her son what the midwives did for all of uh, Israel. Mm-hmm. So what are those things that we do? What, whatever. You save them at whatever cost. So give me some concretes. What do we have to do? Because destruction may be at the door for our, our children, their faith, the world around them. What's the, what's the thing you have to do? I think you have to see past your life, for one. I mean, there's a lot of issues out there in the world. I think as people get a little older, well, our kids will deal with it, rather than realizing maybe some of the decisions I'm making now couldn't affect their future, mm-hmm. um, one way or the other. Well, let's go full allegory on this. For those listening, Greg... Um, Kelly, Kelly, (laughs) Kelly, Greg, Joe, Joe. Um, the the, um, allegory is not the best way to always understand the scriptures, but sometimes it can help. So by allegory, I mean this, what we grab the flint rock, what needs to be cut, what needs to be cleared out, um, what needs to be flung on the ground in order for us to keep destruction from coming for our children. 
and I'm not certain we have, I'm not, I don't think the four of us here have all the answers, but as you think about your family life, these are the th- we, we want to give our kids everything, and we want to have them all these experiences, but I'm not certain that's the best motif. Maybe the motif is what we should cut from their experiences so that they don't have that kind of sensory overload and destroy themselves chasing everything. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you one thing that I've uh, struggled with from the, the, the girls to now with, with Easton is even in really in my early high school days, you know, going to college was starting to be pushed as you need a good education need to go to college. That's become such a burden now with people that it, and it's become almost a um, commercial industry um, where you got a lot of kids in high school that are taking AP extra credit and all this stuff, and they're coming, they're graduating their senior year, coming into a college season with a year and a half, almost two years of college credits, and being able to declare a major, and many of them stressing out because they're 17, 18 years old trying to make a decision about a career. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got a lot of things that play into that, whether it's student loans or the cost of college, or just, there's there's this trend that kids have to do this. You mm-hmm. have to, and and I, I see uh, it it doesn't always fit, and it binds people up. And so taking that off of them, saying you don't have to go to college after you graduate, you can, but you can also work. You can save your money. You can figure out what you need to do. Um, and so this pressure to get into, uh, get a degree and get into however many years of school um, before they maybe even really f- go back to identity if they don't know who they are and here they are trying to pick a career mm-hmm. that may or may not fit with them. That, that's just the first thing that kind of jumps in my mind. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. of um, like the, the push that also that of our identity is so worked wrapped up in what we do. But also I think of spiritual identity, too, because a lot of times um, you'll see children try to borrow their parents' spiritual identity almost. Like, hey, I'm good because my mom was good. Or I'm like, like I, we've got that under control because that's what our family does kind of thing. And, and helping them to understand their identity is not borrowed identity. It's not borrowed from your – like they get their own. It's not borrowed from anyone Mm-hmm. around them mm-hmm. so that borrowing spiritual health is um something that really concerns me mm-hmm. you know that's a decision they have to make on their own yeah so how do you cut to make that better what do you cut hmm. i think just not you can't s- help them you can't yes you can help them you can't um you're not going to be able to to study god's word um for them like teaching giving them the tools not doing it for them helping them to be independent so somehow we have to get to get our children to a place where their own heart is circumcised not yours for them mm-hmm. moses moses circumcision wasn't enough to right. cover his sons Okay, that's, that's good. I'll tell you one of the things I worry about uh, in terms of cutting, and that is the what I see is a frantic, I don't want to use this term, but it's the best term, um, success-driven, psychotic way of life. Mm. 
that puts children in as many activities as they can possibly get mm. in. Baseball, soccer, football, music lessons, gymnastics, Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, anything but the idea that I want my kids to have it all. And so the result is these kids are never at home. They never have rest. They're always busy. And so then, but these same parents will lament, we never just sit at the table and have dinner like we did growing up. Mm -hmm. Well, it's because your your kid's always in something. Mm -hmm. And and we can see this in the middle of a pandemic. As a lot of that's been stripped away, these are the same parents who are like, but but my kids, do something with my kids. Because, mm-hmm. no, no, you, this is a great opportunity for you mm-hmm. to, to move forward. And that's forward. what I was going to say, kind of in tune to what Joni was saying. You know, so many of the parents, and I'm guilty of it too, you know, when my kids were younger, sending them to church and just expecting the church to be God to them and, and teach them everything. And they got what they needed on Wednesday morning, Wednesday night, and, and Sundays, and you know, and then them come home and me not do my part. And, you know, that's not right either. So I think we expect a lot from other people in mm-hmm. terms of raising our children. And that's our responsibility. And sometimes. And setting boundaries and learning how to say no to a, things. A zipper steps up and covers it for us. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. helps and covers our, our inadequacies. But sometimes destruction does come. Mm-hmm. So sometimes mm-hmm. we're Pharaoh and sometimes we're Moses. Right. And sometimes you have you have to get to that destruction and you have to have those things explode and blow up like Moses had to experience that to see that, oh, this is not what we're supposed to be doing, you know? So I think that's a big thing too. He finally came to the end of himself. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think too, you know, cause what I was saying about like college stuff really is what you were saying. It's this, this performance driven, do more, try harder. If, if you want to be good, you have to be mm-hmm. better than everyone else and everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's just more, 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 more. And then you say the kids are exhausted and stuff. Well, the parents are just as busy doing other things mm-hmm. and right. their jobs and their careers yep. and stuff. And there's no relationship in there. And I think the church, quote, air quotes, um, Big C. The, the, well, really little C, the Western culture of the church mm-hmm. has, has played into that. And said, well, we'll create our own systems. Like if you're going to be, we'll talk youth ministry for a minute. Well, let's create a success structure in youth Mm -hmm. ministry where you need to be here Sunday morning. You may a leadership team. Mm -hmm. You need all these hoops you jump through and these, the elite youth or, Mm -hmm. or the, even the systems of leadership in churches. It's more about have you jumped through enough hoops as opposed to, um, character and integrity and things Mm -hmm. like that. Identity. Yeah. Yeah. And humility. Like, mm-hmm. the humility is gone. Yeah. And you can get so busy doing church work and God's work that you lose sight of really what you're doing. There's no purpose. There's no value in it anymore because you get so busy doing well, doing things. Mm-hmm. You well, know? And like you said, let's find a church that, well, here's my kid. Make him a super Christian. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's what we pay you for. Yes. You be the one to, mm-hmm. and then there's no relationship or connection between the parents and the kid. Yeah. And, and I, if I may argue, that that's a great place for real spirituality to break through mm-hmm. is between parents and kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. Yeah, I bet it made for interesting family conversations mm-hmm. with Moses and his wife I'm and his sure. son. Oh, yeah. yeah. She remember that time you threw that? <laughs> I feel like mm-hmm. she was probably pretty like... Mm. But too, you know, I think it puts importance on... You know, when the scripture says, make sure you and your partner, your spouse are equally yoked. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that is, it comes 
you know, from from situations like that. It shows that that's why it's important to go into a, a marriage relationship being, you know, both Christ followers. With the same with set the of same values. same set of values. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's important. So, um, Good stuff. See, we covered this beautifully. <laughs> I didn't think we wouldn't. You were worried. <laughs> no, no. He was worried. Do I ever worry? <laughs> Anything else we miss? Anything? Did we, did, did, there's some detail we didn't cover. I think we got down to the details. There's actually, well, actually, there's a whole lot more details. There I, is. There's I, a lot there. I researched this. There's so much, like enumerated one through 47 things mm. mm-hmm. on this little bitty mm-hmm. text, but uh, mm-hmm. I think we covered we have more more weird Moses stories. This is episode two. We have eight of these plants, so six more. Um, if you haven't caught last week's Baby Moses in the Basket, uh, you'll want to catch that one. Of course, we have all of last season, season one mm-hmm. in Colossians. That's some. That's a two thousand hours you'll never forget <laughs> uh, of listening uh, to us. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for listening. If you would please like and share. And comment uh, this podcast on your favorite social media platform. Every click matters. You can also visit our website at fmf.life. Get more information, sermons, uh, wonderful videos, uh, great information about our church. We'll be back next week with Bible Talk from Under the Water Tower. You guys be safe out there. Wash your hands, wear your mask, be kind. (laughs) See you. Be obedient. (laughs) See you soon.